Welcome to the Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. My name's James White, and I'm on a mission to help business owners and sales professionals all over the world get incredible sales results. So thanks for listening, and let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. So this week, I'm going to talk about emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence for sales leaders. So if you are a sales leader, you're a a chief revenue officer, you're a sales director, you're someone that runs a business that has got salespeople in your team, I'm going to talk around the issue of sales intelligence and emotional intelligence and what you need to do to ensure that you look after the team members within your command and ensure they get the results you want. If you're a salesperson listening to this, then maybe have a listen for things that you think that I'm talking about that, that your sales leader does or doesn't have when it comes to emotional intelligence. And I'm going to share some stories about a few people that had that emotional intelligence, what they were able to do, and why and how they were able to motivate and gain them best from their team, which enabled them then to get brilliant results. And let me start by saying this. I think as a sales leader and a business leader, your goal is not to be the, of course you want success for your role, but your success is driven by the success of people underneath you. So my dad, who's a sales director, always used to say to me that he wanted and used to literally allow his team to thrive and grow and develop because when they threw, you know, grew, thrived and grew as a result of what he was doing and how he was engaging with them, they made him look good. And unfortunately, we sometimes see sales situations and business situations where people get compressed rather than allowed to flourish. And that, to me, is one of those things, if you are one of those leaders at the moment, you should check yourself, really, and work out why you're doing what you're doing. What is it that's meaning you want to push the people underneath you down rather than bring them up? And if you have got the want and desire for them to succeed and to grow and to really achieve big things, then then firstly, just try and let them flourish and be. And, and having that emotional intelligence is a critical part of that. So what I mean by emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is a is a concept that was developed by a guy called Daniel Goleman in 1969. It's used by so many businesses now. Google appointed Sundar Pichai as their CEO, not because he was the cleverest person, and Google have got thousands of clever people, but because he was the person that showed the most emotional quota. And when we have emotional quota, it's that ability to really understand the dynamics of human beings and how they operate. So the five factors around emotional intelligence are First one is self-awareness, the ability to be self-aware of the situation and what's going on so that you can know what other people are doing and how they're reacting to you in your situation. The second one is self-control, the ability to curb doing the things that we know that sometimes we do that cause us problems later down the line. So that's self-control and the ability to just watch ourselves. The third one is then motivation, so the ability to motivate ourselves on and be in a position where we can motivate and inspire ourselves and then hopefully then inspire others to achieve the things that we want to. The fourth element around that is is socialization or the ability to build networks or relationships, the ability to build connections with people. And the fifth part of emotional intelligence is empathy and the ability to think like that person, to put yourselves in their shoes. Now, why this is so important when it comes to sales teams is Your job as a sales leader is to ensure these people that work for you get the results you want because their numbers all combine together to form your number. And so if you don't have the ability to motivate and to inspire them and to think like what they're feeling, you know, think and put yourself in their shoes and to have self-awareness when you're talking too much about what you do rather than what they're doing, you're going to end up in a position where you're not going to get the results from those people. So actually not having emotional intelligence is self-defeating for you in your role. And it's 
why I can't encourage you more, I can't encourage you to say enough, enough that this is something you have to fix if you don't have these elements. So I want to give a couple of examples of a couple of people. I'm, not going, to, I'm going to mention a couple of names. But I won't mention a couple of names as well because I don't want to break um, distrust in a few people. But um, I'll, I'll share some examples of people who have had really good emotional intelligence and what I think they were able to do and why that they were able to, to, to get success. And those people may... I'll share one example. I'll share the first one. And a guy called Bruce Claflin. So when I worked at a company called 3Com uh, a number of years ago, 3Com was a great American company that would been, has now been bought by HP. But long story short, Bruce Claflin was a CEO and he was the ultimate sales leader. By the way, CEOs are the ultimate sales leader. He had a chief of, of sales. But as a CEO, your job is to be the ultimate sales cheerleader of your business. And long story short, he made a decision with uh, regard to a product. And anyone that's listened to, listened to the podcast from, from 3Com will know maybe the story I'm referring to, where he made a decision to end a particular product that 3Com had called the Core Builder Series. And I used to work for a division of 3Com that was uh, made these devices called a switch, the Super Stack, the Super Stack switches. Um, I was uh, in the team, in the product sales team for, for super stack switches. And uh, these products were brilliant. They did incredibly well. But long story short, these switches that we used to sell were really profitable, really highly profitable, 60, 70% margins. And we sold millions of them around the world. It's how I got to travel around the world and see great places. And what happened is these would, if you like, be the, if you like the, the icing on the cake, but the bun, if you like, or the main part of the of, of the pudding was this product called the Core Builder Series. And what used to happen was so many of the companies that we used to work with used to literally buy. They used to say, if you buy the core, they buy the core product. You then buy the, what they call the edge products alongside it. So because it was a natural thing to do. So even though you might lose a little bit of money. On and not so much lose money. The, the product to do that that build that other core product was 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 more expensive. The reality is you made the money elsewhere. So I don't think and, and basically Bruce Claflin a number of years ago made a decision to literally just day before there was a large deal going to go, a number of large deals were going to happen in both all over the world. Made a decision and said we're going to stop selling this core builder product. And we're going to transition it to another company. And overnight, literally, there were deals. I know five or six salespeople had deals with commission, even back then in, in two, well, when was this? Probably 2000, early 2000s. There were, there were salespeople that had commission deals worth 40 to 100,000 pounds who lost those deals overnight. And people never forgave 3Com for what they did. Now, why is that related to self-awareness? And you could argue you know, he, that he's making a business decision. But so many people told him that one thing led to the other. And what he didn't have the ability to do is have the self-awareness to realize that actually the business that what, this area of the core, the, core, the core builder product wasn't generating revenue, even though it was making money for in other areas of the business. He couldn't see the whole picture and that was what his job was. So I think that's an example of where self-aware, if you've been self-aware and been able to have the conversations and understand and put himself in the shoes of the buyer in that position and put himself in the shoes of the team, they would have realized actually, why were they gonna to continue to buy this edge product when the core product, which was the thing that if you like, was the bun of which the icing was on top, that he was then gonna stop selling. He just didn't get it. And I think that was a classic lack of self-awareness. But I'll give you another example of a person who I've worked with who was brilliant in terms of 
self emotional intelligence. So I worked for a guy called Vince at a previous company called Allied Tellison. And Vince was um, came from a background of he was an American, sorry, a British uh, Italian guy, uh, lovely guy. Vince still have connections with him now. And he was the sales and marketing, regional sales and marketing director for, for the business Ally Tellison that I was involved with. And I think Vince had a huge amount of emotional intelligence. He was able to be self-aware and engage with the people that he needed to. And Ally Tellison had an Italian part of the Italian division that ran the business. And he was able to be self-aware and understand how to engage and react and, and interact with the key people in that area of the business. But he then also had the ability to motivate and to put himself in the shoes of the people based in the UK who didn't have that relationship but wanted just to get on and do their, their, their job. So he had the ability to in, un, understand and, and, and not take all the crap that he and, and some of the challenges that he used to get from his from the, from the people in Italy, but he sort of like used to protect those elements and, and had this, you know, the self-control in many cases, many sales leaders that get kicked from one area will then go and kick someone else as a result of it. Whereas that actually takes a bit of self-control to say, hey, I'm not going to kick that because what good is that going to do to kick the person underneath? It's probably not going to help them. Therefore, I'll take that, that element on to enable them to flourish. So a really good example of it. He had some other great skills as people skills and motivated and, and the people that work with him to be successful. And I always use him as a good example of someone as a boss that was I enjoyed working with and engaged and found you know, someone I wanted to do well for. I'll give you another example of a, of a leader and someone a client I'm working with at the moment, so I won't necessarily be able to, to give the name, but he is the CEO of a business that is doing, uh, in, you know, doing well, but it, he, he absolutely thinks like his people. He thinks like his people. He does the small gestures for his people. So he'll always thank them for doing something. He'll always... Uh, share, you know, if he can, you know, if he can do something that can help them, he'll do something to help them. He absolutely spends time getting to know them as individuals because he believes that if he gets to know his team and understands their challenges and what's going on in their world, then he a, might be able to help, and b, it's going to be able to let them people feel like they've been heard, so that they go and do a job that he needs them to do in time. So he absolutely cares about his people and thinks like them. Doesn't mean to say he's soft on them, but he gets to understand what's going on in their world and has empathy, which then enables enables him to be in a position to try and motivate and, and, and help them overcome those challenges to then get on and do the job that he needs them to do. And he does that very well. And I will say to people that, you know, if I, I ask a question for you as a sales leader right now, would your team run through brick walls for you? Would your team run through brick walls for you and what you do? And if your answer is you're not sure or you don't think they would, then you have a problem. And I believe most of that problem is down to your emotional intelligence and not being able to connect and do the things you need to do with that team underneath. So what are some final examples of this to think about? Self-awareness. When you're in a sales situation and when you're having conversations with them, are you talking about you all the time and about how great your world is and what you've done? Or are you focused on being self-aware about them and how they're reacting to that and how they think to that? I know a number of sales leaders that always talk about themselves and what they're doing. And their team, you can just see in their mind, their teams are switched off. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear how lucky they are to be earning so much money and be in that power, position of power. They just don't, it doesn't, they didn't buy into it. Are you able to be self-aware? 
Are you in a position where you can show self-control? Can you resist the urge to kick other people where sometimes even if you're being kicked or to react on situations when someone's done something that you're not comfortable with rather than, you know, blast off at them and, you know, re reach out and, and be, you know, have a, have a, you know, a difficult, you know, not so much a difficult conversation, but a, a nasty conversation with them or kick when you've been kicked? Or can you just, you know, tell, learn that element of actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cope with this for the moment because it's not going to solve the end result. Sometimes self-controlling is all about us making sure we do the right thing at the right time. And, and we all know that great saying, if you act in haste, you repent in leisure. Too many sales directors will see something happen and bang, straight in and react to it rather than thinking, what's good is that going to do? How is that going to help make my end result better? And sometimes I, you know, I say to people, you know, do you want to win the battle or do you want to win the war? And the reality is in sales and in business, and we want to win the war. We want to get the war of, of getting the war for that year to hit the numbers that we want to. And sometimes we've got to lose the odd battle if it helps us make that bigger target. So the third thing around this is, is that ability to motivate. So you've got to be motivated yourself and motivate yourself. And one of the great things, again, great sales leaders will do is they'll motivate themselves because they'll make some of the calls. They'll do some of the work that they're asking their team to do. Or maybe they'll actually come out on site and motivate themselves to, to get up and travel to a place so they can be on site and to support the sales team to do that. Or what they can also do for maybe is, is to build their net, open up their network and enable people if they're able to build relationships and make sure that they're being visible on LinkedIn or other social channels to then open that up so it helps their sales team. Can they introduce someone in their sales team to someone else? Can they attend a networking event with their sales team that enables them to feel that they're actually getting supported and supported as part of the process? And the other key element and final part around empathy, and I use this a lot with sales because salespeople that don't have empathy generally tend not to be very good salespeople. That empathy to think like your salesperson or the person in your team. What's going on in their world right now? What's happening? What's frustrating them? What's stopping them from making progress? Progress. What's getting in their nerves? What challenges are they facing with kids or parents or wives or partners or husbands? Whatever. What's going on in their space? And take some time to, to get to know them and to build that relationship with them and to build that empathy with them so that they feel you really get them. Because if you can start to show these type of skills, and there are some people I've had in, in sales environments who've not had these skills. I knew a sales manager once at a previous company that literally used to be touchy-feely. And I literally mean touchy-feely. He'd literally put his arms in places it shouldn't be put. And, and I remember thinking that at the time I'd cringe and see it and thought, you can't do that. It's just wrong. And it was his way of being able to try and exert power. But it, I was like, you are not self-aware because the people that you were doing this to, and it generally tended, unfortunately, to be ladies in his team, just, just found him creepy. Now, they weren't going to work. They ain't going to make his job easier. They're not going to do more work for him. And it just, it, the fact he couldn't see it, I was like, you, you just don't have self-awareness and you're not emotionally intelligent and it's going to hurt you in the long run. And in the end, it did because he got fired from his job because he wasn't achieving his numbers. So the reality is we've got to be able to use these skills to understand our team better and to understand the people that we work with. And if you can use them better in your internal team, then you, if you can use them in your external team, you're going to get incredible results. So just focus on those five areas. Just to repeat, self-awareness, self-control, motivation, the ability to network and socialize and build relationships and empathy, uh, just test yourself, look back at yourself and say, what are these skills do I have and what do I not have? And how, if I've not got them, how is what I'm doing harming what I'm doing as a sales leader? Because I guarantee you that those skills or traits that you're showing right now that you think are okay are not, they're hurting you and they're in the end, they're going to cost you. So I hope that's been helpful and give you some idea around emotional intelligence. Have a look at it. It's a great area. But one of the things that I wanted to do, and I always finish the podcast on, on emotional stories. And this is, this is absolutely a, um, 
a story that is a little bit close to my heart, actually, because the lady that um, I'm referring to is a lady that was, you know, in, 19, in 1897. So we're talking about a lady before, you know, num- you know World War One who volunteered to, to actually fly planes. And she took her first flight in 1920. It's a lady called Amelia Earhart. Sorry, Amelia Earhart. And the reason it's quite interesting for me is that where she landed her plane, as I'll talk about in a minute, is is a is a beach near South Wales, where my um, wife's family have come from, and my my wife's middle name is Amelia because of this lady. And basically, she decided that she wanted to become the first woman in 1932 to fly by herself across the Atlantic Ocean. So if you think about it, it's 1932, nearly a hundred years ago from where we are now. She wanted to be in a position where they, where she would fly across the Atlantic, and and, and it was ridiculous because literally, you know, they, she she landed and, and became the first person to land and cross the Atlantic, and she landed on a beach in uh, in South Wales. And I always think when you think about someone like that back at that time, who probably in a very male-dominated world had this ambition and drive to be something and to be the first woman to do something and be bigger than than what you know what, what she could see, it, to me is inspiring, and and literally. That they, they they found her to be someone that you know she set the bar, the barometer and set the, the the bar high for anyone that wants to achieve, achieve things, especially in the aviation industry. And I think it's a great inspirational story for us to think about. Even though she was probably told she couldn't, and she was probably you know told to be put back in her place, she decided not to, and decided to fight these elements and become the first woman to to be able to cross the Atlantic. So Amelia Earhart, great inspirational story, story I love, and is something as I say it's got a close nature to my family. But my question to you is, you know, how can you be inspired? By someone that that had a vision had a dream and just go and made it happen i hope that can be the case for you in your business and what you're trying to achieve whatever you're doing have a great week and i'll see you next week so thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope you've enjoyed if you have please subscribe to the podcast it helps us ensure more people can get the insights and ideas they need to get incredible sales results look forward to seeing you on the next episode